Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. The Ocean and I have always had a rocky relationship. Whether it was Jaws impressing upon me that something is always lingering beneath my feet, or the suddenness of a perfect storm, The Ocean has terrified me like almost no other horror setting. And it just so happens that the creative father-son team of Winston and Joe Azopardi have weaponized my fear in noteworthy fashion. Directed and co-written by Winston Azopardi, 2018's The Boat is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Telling the tale of a solo sailor, played by Joe Azopardi, who also co-wrote, stumbles upon an abandoned sailboat in a thick fog. Once aboard, the sailor becomes locked inside and must navigate a series of inexplainable events. For a film that has a singular protagonist and unfolds in a mostly singular location, it was an ingenious decision to have the sailor be essentially a blank canvas. The viewer isn't given any backstory on him other than what we're shown. He leaves his home and boards his sailboat and heads out into the ocean. This lack of exposition allows the viewer to put themselves in his shoes, which becomes vital to their engagement when strange occurrences begin. Had we been given a backstory, the viewer may go into this journey with preconceived notions that may falter their ability to root for the sailor. In an interview with FreshFiction.tv, Joe Azopardi stated he initially wrote a scene where the sailor had a girlfriend at the beginning, and that he was just popping out for an early morning fish. My initial reaction to this is that I'm in favor of the fact that they cut this. I don't think that we needed any exposition, and we certainly didn't need any other characters introduced. I understand that in including a relationship aspect, it would help the viewer to establish a reason why the sailor is fighting so hard to survive and to get back home to a loved one. But at the same time, I think that would just make more baggage that could potentially influence a viewer's ability to put themselves into his shoes and whatnot. So during the course of his routine sail out into the ocean, the sailor comes across a much bigger vessel. And after tying his boat to the vessel and investigating, he finds that the boat is empty and it's essentially dead in the water. But after he investigates the hull and doesn't find anyone, he returns to the deck and his boat is mysteriously vanished. And now he's stranded on this vessel that is dead in the water because the engine isn't working. And while he knows how to operate the sails and how to fix mechanical issues, something is still not quite right with this boat. He starts to investigate more, and there's no GPS all of a sudden, and he can't get anybody on the radio, and things aren't looking, are looking very dire. And then he makes the unfortunate decision to go into the bathroom, and he goes into the bathroom, and the door locks behind him, and that's when his trouble really starts. The poor aspect of this movie is that it makes the audience question whether the sailor's reality is, in fact, a reality, or whether he becomes an unreliable narrator, and trying to figure out whether there's some nefarious force at work or is there somebody that's messing with him is really fantastic way to capitalize on such a simplistic and singular setting in a very creative way. And so this movie dances between being a horror supernatural movie with the survival movie in a way that if we didn't have this sailor who was very much presented as a blank canvas, we might begin to kind of second guess the actions of the sailor or second guess motives. But since we don't know anything about him, it allows the audience the freedom to put themselves in the situation. And if I don't know about you, but if I'm putting myself in a situation like that, I'm not going to be second guessing my decisions. I'm going to be rooting for my character the entire time. And when things either work or don't, you run that gambit of the spectrum of emotions where it's either like, hell yeah, he finally succeeded at something or this situation can't get any more fucked up than it already is. And for as simple as a premise as the boat has and the singular location It really is a staggeringly well-made movie. I mean, the quality of the movie is not indicative of an indie film at all. It has 
the just the technical aspect of going into filming a movie like this not only the tight corridor interior shots but these really fantastic landscapes of the ocean where you see that just the endlessness of the ocean and that isolation and that being stranded at sea really comes across and makes for a truly terrifying environment in a way that, sure, we've seen in other movies, but in this, it really ties into the dilemma of its character in a way that makes the overall situation, whether it ends up being somebody's messing with him, it's his own fault that he's stranded, or a supernatural one, the same result is still there. It's still a terrifying concept that really weaponized my fear of getting either lost at sea or in some instances drowning. And the film also does a really fantastic job of changing the types of environments within its singular location. So like I said, we have these wide shots of the ocean, kind of the ocean landscape. But then when he's locked in the bathroom, it's incredibly claustrophobic where he's in this single occupancy bathroom that it's a boat. So obviously the bathroom is going to be even smaller than one that would be in a house or an RV even. It's incredibly claustrophobic. And the angles that they're able to get without it being confusing or losing track of what's happening really makes for an uncomfortable watch. And it makes for an even tenser watch because you feel like you're in the room with the character and seeing this dilemma unfold for them is painful in a lot of ways, given the physical injuries that he sustains while trying to free himself, but also just the the urgency of you get to see his live reaction to everything that's happening, to his mental state, to him realizing what's happening, to him trying to problem solve certain situations. It's really an, a, a strong physical performance that I wasn't expecting again. And especially when the boat starts to go through these different uh, how should I say this, different changes in the, the weather outside. So at one point, he's in the boat for quite a while. At one point, a storm rolls through and he's trapped in the bathroom during a storm and the window is open. And so water starts to fill in the boat and he's in neck deep water at one point, still trying to free himself from the bathroom. And it makes for a really, really claustrophobic and terrifying watch because not only now is he trapped in a bathroom, but this bathroom might change into his grave, essentially. And I was doing a little bit of research into what went into actually filming the different segments of this movie. Uh, in an interview with DailyDead.com, uh, Joe stated that they filmed this movie in uh, Malta and they filmed it in, I believe, the winter season. So the water was incredibly freezing cold in those scenes where he had to be submerged. And it, sometimes he was in the water so long, he almost gave himself hypothermia and had to get pulled out and warm up. And something that I didn't wasn't really cognizant of, but it gave me a lot more appreciation for the exterior shots of the boat, which, I mean, the cinematography is gorgeous, obviously, but at the same time, the fact that if they're filming one boat, there have to be multiple boats in the background that are filming the boat that's going to appear on screen. So just the amount of moving parts with such a small crew really gave me a, a newfound respect for not just indie filmmaking. I've always appreciated indie movies, but considering the movie is somewhat slowly paced in uncovering its mystery, a lot of those shots that some people might take for granted, I think there's an extra weight to it that's half of the shots were filmed in the ocean, which required more coordination. And then some of them were filmed in like water tanks that are essentially sets. And it, an interesting point, again, that kind of reveals the uh, guerrilla style of filmmaking. They had such a small crew that some of the departments were only manned by one person. And since they were on the water and if somebody got seasick, they would be out of commission and that whole department then would be out of commission. So it really kind of puts into perspective something that a lot of people might view as being, oh, it's just a, it's just a shot of a boat in the ocean. 
when in reality, the amount of effort that goes into those types of shots that help to craft a lot of the tension and the atmosphere of the film really needs to be applauded, I think. And the final element of the film that really amazed me in a way that I was not prepared for was the sound design. Obviously, in every movie that takes place on the water, you hear the waves, you hear the rush of the ocean, you have storms and whatnot that might occur. But really, it's the sound of somebody moving around inside of the boat. At key points, the sailor, when he's in the bathroom, or again, when he's exploring another part of the boat, he hears footsteps on the deck. He hears footsteps right outside of the bathroom. You hear a floorboard creak. You hear wood start to shift. And each of those instances instills fear in the viewer when they don't even know what it is. It could just be the boat shifting because of the change in the ocean, the tide and whatnot is shifting. Maybe a, a wave came and hit uh, the side of the boat. But every single time you hear a floorboard creak, it instills fear in that you don't know what's on the other side of that door. You don't know what's at the on top of the deck. And that really helps build the tension when you're not necessarily going to see a lot of supernatural things, but creating that atmosphere of the supernatural and the unexplainable is really key in engaging the viewer throughout because it is a slow burn of a movie. And I would not go into this movie expecting definitive answers at the end of it. But at the end of the day, the atmosphere is so strong and the physicality of the performance by Joe is so strong that you really are in this the entire time. There's no point where you're not fully engaged in his plight of trying to figure out what's happening, of trying to survive a storm. And again, him being a blank canvas, it's very easy to put yourself in his shoes. It's very easy to see yourself as being stuck in that scenario because for the most part, there isn't anything absurdist about a lot of the predicaments he finds himself in. Whether or not the boat is haunted, some might view as being an absurdist premise, but the specific situations he finds himself while aboard the boat could happen to you or I. So playing the movie half as a horror movie and half as a survival movie really does a great job of blending those two genres and captivating certain people that otherwise might not have. Like I watched part of this with my brother. He came in halfway and he was like standing in the doorway and it's like, oh, what are you watching? And I gave him a brief description of it, the synopsis. And he was like, oh, okay, whatever. But then the more he watched it, he ended up sitting down and watching the last 45 minutes of the movie with me. And he ended up really enjoying it. And I think that speaks to the film's ability to captivate people that might not be horror fans or you might laugh at its overly simplistic premise. But at the end of the day, the film does enough to grab your attention, whether it be its horror elements, its mystery elements, or just the survival element of being trapped, at, uh, lost at sea really speaks and resonates with a wide audience of uh, genre fans. And I think that's key to making this film as impactful as it was, because on paper, it's kind of a silly premise, but the execution is of a caliber that I couldn't stop watching it. And even though nothing is really explicitly spelled out in the end of it, I was given enough moments of an emotional range and an investment in this character that the journey as a whole was enjoyable for me. And uh, for those reasons, I think it's is definitely worth checking out. And again, it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime, and I highly recommend that you guys check it out. And that's going to do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another horror movie review. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Daily Horror Habit podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow us at Daily Horror Habit on Twitter or Instagram.